Hello everyone and welcome to the 27th episode of the Connectivity Podcast. I'm Matthias Rydström and I've spent the last 25 years inside the connectivity community. In this pod we invite guests to deep dive into one or many subjects to simply learn more about connectivity. And in this 27th episode I'm extremely happy to have Katja Gonzalez from Pix as my guest. So, welcome, Katja. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here, Matthias. All right. So, for the people that doesn't really know you, could you just explain who you are? Yes, of course. I'm Katja Gonzalez, as my family name shows. I'm originally from Spain. By now, I've been living so long here in Belgium that I think I've spent more time here than in Spain. Although... I remain still very Spanish in my ways. Uh, I think my family, so my my two teenagers and my dear husband will will agree on that. Uh, but then when I go back to Spain, uh, family and friends tell me that I'm very Belgian. So I've lost a little bit of the Spanish twist <laughs> on the way. So that's for my personal uh, side of things. Professionally, uh, well, I have an engineering background. Um, and I have been working for Bix now for over 12 years. Before getting to Bix, I was at uh, Proximus. It was called still Proximus at that time. It was the mobile brand of uh, Belgacom, the, the Belgian incumbent. And uh, here at Bix, I have been working on very different areas. I've been involved in the pricing uh I've been involved in routing, and then little by little, I ended up taking care of fraud at a time when fraud was not such a known matter, at least in the international uh, scene. Uh, yeah, and so, well, uh, things have kept on evolving and, and evolving, and well, uh, I've kept on working on, on trying to, to uh, protect our customers and protect bigs. Bigs against fraud, um, which I must say is quite fulfilling in the sense that, uh, well, not only I obviously help my company, but uh, I find it very interesting and personally fulfilling, actually, to be able to do something for the industry, for the ecosystem. Other than this uh, professional side of me, there's also a more, I would say, uh, relaxing and fun side of things. Uh, I'm very much into yoga. I love biking. I love the nature. And I love also being with my friends. So I try to, you know, uh, navigate uh, amongst all these things, the family, the friends, the work, uh, my passions. And, well, I try to do at best. <laughs> Not always <laughs> yeah, easy, but... Yeah. Oh, but that sounds really cool. That sounds really good. I know we have some enterprise listeners here that comes from these type of companies. Could you just explain what Bix is doing uh, for them? Yeah, well, <laughs> it's a it's it's a complicated matter. Every time I try to explain to my friends what I do, I see some weird faces. It's, it's complicated to explain what. Does, but I'll, I'll try to do my best. So we are a communication platform, uh, an international communications platform, enabling and bridging communications 
international communications, actually, between telco parties, uh, businesses, communities, individuals. So whenever there's a need for international communications, and it can this can be anything from a call to an SMS, a roaming activity, etc. Well, then there's a space for VIX. So let's say an operator or a cloud conferencing platform or a call center or any business needs to be able to allow international communications for their customers or when their customers travel to a foreign country that they uh, want to make sure they have a seamless access to all their telco services, well, in these situations, we will need a company such as VIX to make sure that this international bridge, this international communication gets to where it has to be. So we are like an intermediate party, the glue that makes these telecommunication services work from one side of the world to another side of the world. So I hope this is a little bit clear because I know it's not the kind of business that is really well-known by individuals where we're not in contact with individuals. So it's a little bit complicated. Yeah, no, I uh, thanks. I think that that was a really good explanation. I think the word glue is, is a good one. You know, uh, you're the glue between the networks uh, and between people yes. calling each other. So that's really cool. You mentioned earlier that you nowadays work with fraud. Uh, could you explain to the people what, what we mean with fraud in this context? What is fraud here? I try to fight fraud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. You don't Just work with fraud. You, you fight fraud. <laughs> Correct. No. Um, uh, so there's a very large set of different fraud situations that we have. I guess what is most speaking to, to people is, uh, and, and unfortunately, uh, I think nowadays nobody's safe uh, of this kind of uh, attacks. So let's say that you receive a call from an unknown number or, or a text from an unknown number and uh, you have a missed call in the case of a call. Uh, you get a text uh, asking you to, um, to dial a number or to go to a link uh, and in this link, they'll try to either obtain money or obtain personal data of you. When it's a call, well, in general, there—I mean, there are many different scams, but yeah, they will either try to get information, uh, personal data uh, of yourself, um, or they will just, you know, do nothing and just have you hang on a call for as much as possible to get money out of it. So these are, I think, uh, situations that everybody has suffered, uh, especially in the past uh, two to three years. It's become very, very common. And that I think can, mostly everybody can unfortunately relate to. Um, then, so this is the very simple, uh, not very simple, but the most understandable reflection of the frauds that we see. Now, um, it gets very sophisticated at times. So infrastructure is hacked. The roaming networks are attacked uh, via signaling attacks. And uh, well, if anybody is interested in this and, and reading, reading about it, well, in the very sad situation that we have here now in Europe with Ukraine, uh, these kind of attacks have, have become uh, quite, a, quite sophisticated. 
but also very common. Uh, they happen constantly. So we can go from the very simple thing where, and, you know, very old type of frauds that used to happen, I know, even 20 years ago, the clip-on frauds where you just go and clip on, on a physical cable uh, from, from a landline. They still happen nowadays, but, well, uh, things have evolved a lot. We still have these old schemes, but we, we see new, new ways of committing these frauds because they are easier, because they get more benefit, these bad guys. Or we see a lot of these signaling attacks because it's harder to spot and we can get a lot of information out of these signaling attacks. So there's a very wide range of, uh, of fraud events, unfortunately. So they are being exploited right now. And, and well, uh, I'm afraid we'll see even more of this in, in the coming years. Yeah, uh, I think you you kind of mentioned it a bit beginning, but who who are the, the the sort of are there companies behind these frauds, or are there individual people, private people, or is there anything you can say about who's behind these frauds? Fraud is a business, uh, and when I mean it's a business, is that there are people behind it that make money out of it, of course, but they live on this, they work on this, they strategize on this. The goals may be very different and depending on the schemes and the goals will have different actors behind the attacks. It's very difficult in the international environment and probably this is why it's so so very uh, used for attacks to, to finally spot and determine which the, the, the rogue party is. Um, there have been several investigations uh, made public by the FBI. And when you see the, the, the amount of work and the volume of people and data that they need to eventually, after many months, uh, come to, to, you know, to spot the right persons or the right company, well, then you understand why, why we, we still have so very many issues. Um, in general, there are carriers in the world that make money out of uh, illegitimate calls, illegitimate SMSs, uh, organizations. Uh, so it's quite well known in this, well, you're in, in this space of the Calco fraud, a number of gangs that have been demantled in Spain, I think there were branches also in Poland or another Eastern country where they had so, such a simple uh, modus operandi in Barcelona. I think many people have gotten their, their phone stolen. The phone was not the main asset that they were looking for. It was the SIMs. And when having these SIM cards, well, they were using them to generate traffic to, to numbers where they would make sure through one of these rogue carriers that they can easily set and, you know, uh, create in, in any country, actually, uh, to collect the traffic to those numbers and to collect the money for that traffic. So in, in this case, it was a very well-organized gang. We also see more and more, and again, I'm going to come back to this situation we have in Europe. Uh, there are many state-sponsored attacks. Um, obviously, these are almost impossible to <laughs> to 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 stop. I mean, they are way too sophisticated for most of the the means that operators have. So they just happen, 
and uh, and the, the, the telco parties realize after a while that well, there's been a breach. Uh, there's been a, a lot of data that has been uh, at risk, so exposed or not, but at least at risk. And uh, there, I think we all have a very big challenge in the in the years to come. Is that it seems that nowadays these attacks are also part of. Uh, of the international threats in, you know, when there are geopolitical conflicts. So it's very important uh, that we all understand this. And that, I mean, we, we see more and more regulators also taking action and regulating and imposing uh, a minimum level of protection for, for the um, operators in the country. But I think it's not sufficiently spread. So we all need to be aware that uh, fraud and especially security is, is is less and less of nice to have. Yeah, all right. That sounds extremely complex. So, so when you say you at Bix works against fraud, what does it really mean? You know, what can we as telecom operators do to prevent this? I think I have been pledging for a collaboration for ten years now. So <laughs> that's my motto, and I truly believe. And we truly believe at BIGS that collaboration is the only way. Um, again, because uh, regulations are very good, but they are long to come and long to implement. And well, when they get implemented, probably they are a little bit obsolete already. So we need to work it out, all of us together as an industry, as an ecosystem. There's no such a thing anymore where any party, an operator or a cloud provider or anybody else can say, okay, you know, I've got fraud under control. I have my controls internally and that's it. So that's probably, that was maybe true several years ago, is not true anymore. So what is important is that um, to understand that fraud is very dynamic, it changes constantly. Uh, the attacks that work in one country will spread across networks and, and geographies. And they will become more and more sophisticated as they get blocked or spotted across the networks. So what we need to do and what we are doing at Pix is make sure that any attack that we see and that we spot through our, our network is used to learn and to improve the protection for our customers. We do this again by deploying technology internally and to, by making sure that um, we learn fast enough and that we implement the protections that we have learned are needed fast enough for our customers. Now, obviously this is what we do on our network. We also collaborate a lot in the industry. I'm very active in different forums not just by the sake of being active in these, but because I think this is the place where we can share experiences, best practices, uh, latest trends on attacks and how to counter them. And uh, I think this is the most efficient way because, again, anything that has to do with regulations is can be very powerful, but is unfortunately not fast enough. So as an industry, I think we have the ability, but also the obligation to take care of it because it's our bread and butter somehow. We live 
in this industry, we are part of this industry, and we need this industry to remain trustable for businesses and for end users. If it does not remain trustable, well, they will find another means to support their businesses, and, and I think we will all lose. So it's an ecosystem, and we are all part of it, so we are all responsible to maintain this ecosystem clear from threats. Yeah, no, I think that sounds good. Do you have the feeling that everyone in the ecosystem are on the sort of on this journey, or do you feel there are companies who see between the fingers on this, or yeah, are we all in the telecom space united? Not everybody's at the same level. There's some cultural thing to it. There's also a matter of maturity from the businesses. I still see uh, companies and operators that, you know, they just take care of fraud when they are hit by it, when there's a, a material bottom line impact. And the problem is that, you know, the parties that are not properly protected and that do not take care of this correctly, well, they uh, jeopardize the whole ecosystem. You know, it's, it, it's really an ecosystem. So each of us is an entry point or a potential entry point for malicious uh, behaviors for attacks. So, and this is why I say we, we are all responsible to make sure that it remains clear. So, but no, we are not all, all at, at the same level. There's still a long way to go uh, for some parties, but but I think it's uh, I think there's been a uh, really a, a change uh, in the past couple of years. I would say so. The the pandemic has really accelerated some kind of attacks, and it has also uh, because the volume and then the big dimension of, of some of these attacks has been quite amazing. I think it has grown the focus of many parties. So I, more and more, fraud and security are becoming not a nice to have anymore, but more of a, a must have. Something that is, uh, so for example, Apex, uh, we see uh, in, in the RFPs for the different services that we receive, well, we see that fraud and security is, is not any longer in the optional list of things, is now embedded in the core of the RFPs. So I think this is a very good evolution of things. Okay, so that, that's really cool in some ways. So you said the pandemic kind of increased the amount of fraud, but it also increased the awareness of protecting you from the fraud. Is that a, yes. a good summary yes. of it? Yeah. How much did this increase during the pandemic? I do not have that figure, unfortunately. What I can tell you is that there's a really a pre-COVID and a post-COVID scene when it comes to fraud. Uh, it's okay. completely different. Uh, we have seen that, you know, previously uh, attacks were mainly focusing in trying to make money out of um, telco transactions. It can be, you know, traditional calls or SMSs or even from in the cloudcom scene, the same, no? uh, making money out of the calls and, and SMSs. And the COVID has accelerated a, a, a new trend. So uh, the focus of the attacks now is no longer only on the operators. Now is the end user, the subscribers, you and me, who are attacked with these examples that I gave in the beginning, because <laughs> obviously <laughs> uh, these are the ones that impact the, the end users, like um, 
spam, robocalls, mission, phishing attacks to get not so much money directly, although this happens also, but the main goal in general is to obtain personal data. So personal data is really the, the most interesting asset that now fraudsters are looking for. Uh-huh. And that means, and, and I think this is one of the reasons why we see this increase also in signaling attacks uh, on, on the roaming interconnections, it's relatively easy to be able to uh, intercept the communications to track subscribers. And because this is, again, a new trend and that the, the expertise is very rare, there are so many operators, I, mean, I would say most of the operators out there, have no protection and no means to detect whether they have loopholes in their roaming interconnections and whether they are having this kind of attacks. So, again, because personal data is becoming so key and because once personal data is uh, breached and is, uh, well, uh, accessible to, to malicious parties, let's say, the damage, maybe if it's not financial for the operator, can be really devastating from a from a reputational point of view. So there's a very big switch, I think, in the twist in, in the attacks. Again, now focusing much more on end users and on personal data. And uh, well, uh, the cloud communications has also seen a dramatic increase in the in the in the way they are impact, impacted by fraud because. During COVID, there's been so much shift of communications, uh, well, to, to cloud communications. Uh, everybody's been using, you know, the different cloud conferencing services. Well, but obviously there's been more fraud. And that's a trend that we see gets consolidated, does not disappear, this kind of fraud. When we talk to different cloud communication service providers, they... While before COVID, they would say, no, uh, I, I don't have fraud. Uh, I have no worries around it. Now, I think they, they all acknowledge that they, there are threats. They have been impacted. And uh, yeah, they need to work on it. All right. Wow. Yeah, this is a, almost a scary area. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. In the next episode, we will continue to talk to Katja Gonzalez. So stay tuned until next time. Please also remember the Twitter handle ConnectivityPod for updates. <laughs>